So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional hosting your show, and my office is located here in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us. Or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, preparing for retirement and how many of us uh, had wished we'd done things a little bit differently when we were younger, um, as well as some issues that are coming up now. This is tax season, some things to look out for, as well as some other scams and things that are out there. So we've got a number of things we're going to go over. Uh, First, I'm going to start off by just going through a survey that was done by uh, Nationwide Insurance that talks about um, what people thought about uh, what they wished they had done maybe uh, differently and where they stand as far as their retirement planning goes as they got older. And what they did is they surveyed a bunch of employees in the United States, and um, actually they used uh, the Employee Benefits Research Institute information and and Retirement Confidence Survey, uh, which showed some pretty interesting information. When they did the survey, they found out of employees, about 26% of them said that they uh, had less than $1,000 uh, currently in savings of the employees, and about 45% that they have less than 25000 in savings, and uh, 56% said they had less than 100000 in savings. Now, this is all employees of various ages, so if you're preparing for retirement, that may or may not be quite enough for, to get you prepared. So even with the Social Security benefits added to the savings when somebody gets ready for retirement, spread out over a retirement about 20 years, it's it's just not going to be quite enough for most of us because Social Security is really designed um, as a a safety net, uh, a social safety net for all of us. It was never intended to be what we live off in a retirement. Uh, If you talk to anybody that is currently living just on Social Security, it can be a little tight. You're really um, tied into what those cost of living increases are, and inevitably they seem like they aren't just quite enough to keep up with the actual cost of living. So in order to offset that, we have various ways to to save. Uh, We can save on our own, of course, and then there's various retirement plans, which you may have at work, a 401k, a 403b. Uh, Some companies still have pension plans. Many of us use things like IRAs, Roth IRAs, and then some self-employed. There's other things such as the SEP IRAs and some other strategies you can use that if you're self-employed. But it's nevertheless, it's actually pretty tight. And it, when they did the survey, uh, Nationwide did, they found that only about 22% of employees, they felt prepared uh, for retirement, which is not really a very good thing. That means 78% of us are not really feeling like we're ready for retirement. So there's some things that maybe they... Th- 
that the employees thought that they could have done differently. So if you're younger, maybe pay attention or regardless of what age you are, the key is to really um, take some tips from people who've kind of been through this process. And um, some of the employees expect to, as a result of all this, some of the employees are expecting to retire later than they had originally thought they were going to retire, partially, I'm sure, because they didn't they don't feel they have quite enough in savings supplemented by the Social Security benefit. They just don't quite feel like they'll be ready to support themselves on their own fully in retirement in a similar manner that they were when they were working. And about two out of three of the individuals expect to work for income, uh, but only about one in four retirees actually do that when they get into retirement. When you get in retirement, of course, you're a little bit older, and if you're still able-bodied, many people still enjoy working, so they may work because they want to, but in other cases, it may be a financial necessity where they have to. So there's going to be a blend of that in that survey. Uh, some people just like what they do. They may continue to do it at a certain level. Others, they really need to get that job to supplement the income. It is, just isn't quite enough in retirement. And of the, re of the employees that were surveyed, about two-thirds of them felt that debt was a problem. About a quarter of them said that it uh, negatively is impacting their lifestyle. So controlling the debt side of this, the equation is also extremely important. So to kind of feed through this, what they did is they, they, they kind of drilled down to this a little further and they kind of looked at, okay, what are some um, you know, examples of what a difference might have made if somebody were to retire at different ages. And these are things that, that planners will do that we do all the time with, with people to try to help understand how the compound would go. And here's just an example as if somebody started off when they were 23 years old and, and then 31 and the differences between different amounts that they might uh, put away, assuming they get paid twice a month. If somebody at, um, there's four examples here. So if somebody at 23 put away uh, $50 per pay, that's just twice a month, $50 out of each paycheck, and they started at age uh, 23. Uh, by the time they hit 65, uh, that $50 would be up to about 217000 If they put away $100, that would be up to 434000 And just waiting a few years, eight years, and waiting until they started at age 31, which is still pretty young uh, by most standards, So, um, but... Just that same $50 would now only be about 128000 as opposed to the two seventeen if you started eight years earlier. And the $100 per pay, that's twice a month, that's only $200 a month, would only be 257000 as opposed to 434000 So that compounding, and this is assuming about a 6% uh, rate of return, which is pretty conservative over a long period of time, um, that can significantly impact uh, lifestyle. So... The key here is really the earlier that you start to set up some kind of savings plan, and it doesn't have to be significant amounts. Sometimes people get tied into, well, if I don't put away my full um, allotment for like my IRA or something, like right now it's went from 5500 to 6000 for 2019, from 2018, they feel like they have to put everything away right away. Well, not necessarily. The key really is with as far as retirement savings go, put something away. Just start to save with something because that compounding and just creating that habit of investing is really key. We, we really work off habits. Um, so once we develop that basic habit, even if you're putting $10, $20, $30, and what you'll do is you'll start to get in the habit of putting it away and you'll slowly see uh, that savings account grow or that 401k grow or IRA, whatever the, whatever the vehicle is on the other end, you're going to slowly see that, that increase. And you'll start to feel some satisfaction out of that. And you'll see, hey, look, I'm making a little bit of progress towards it. Um, at least you've got to start. You kind of understand what you need to do. And in many of these cases, 
where you're putting away money, especially if it's an employer plan, you're going to be matched in many cases. So if you put away $50, in many cases, your employer may be putting another $50 in there. In some cases, they do two for one, where it might even be $100 for the employer and $50 for you. So you really want to get in the habit of getting it, of, of actually putting something away every single paycheck somewhere, even if, you, even if it's a savings account or it's a, um, an IRA. Another kind of a side note is many times what younger people do is they'll use that Roth option because there's no penalty to pull that money back out. So if they're really running tight some month, you can pull the Roth money back out because it's after-tax money. So you're not going to pay that, um, that penalty for the tax and everything. So it's a little bit more flexible. Um, that's something you need to obviously talk to your uh, accountant about or your, your uh, tax advisor about. But typically, that is kind of a way to do it. And if a real emergency comes up where you didn't have your regular savings was quite enough, uh, you can also kind of dip into that. In the meanwhile, you're, you're saving, you're actually starting some kind of process to save for the retirement. Um, so that's key. Another thing to do um, is really control uh, essentially the debt side of the equation. And for younger people, this is becoming a little bit of an issue. Um, in the survey itself, it said about 61% of employees said that the debt was having a negative impact on their retirement savings. Of course, if you're paying interest on a, things like a credit card or a car loan or any kind of loan, there, there's interest on that. So that's eating away at your ability to save because now you're paying not just the debt, of course, but now you're paying the interest on the debt. So the sooner um, you can start to pay that down, uh, the better. And right now, uh, as of the end of 2018, total consumer debt had, was just over $13 trillion. So that's about $52,000 for each uh, adult. And about two-thirds um, of employees hold non-mortgage debt, which are things like uh, student loans and credit cards and things like that. And um, so the student loan debt has really increased quite a bit for our younger people. Uh, right now, that's standing at just shy of $1.5 trillion in student debt. And that's over about $44 million different borrowers, and there's only a little over, like, I think it's like 320, 330 million in the country. So that, that's over, you know, about 11, 12% of the population is holding a pretty significant amount of debt. And that comes out to being a little over $37,000 per student. And in addition to that, the credit card debt has gotten up over a trillion. So that boils down to a little over $5,200 per cardholder. So adding all that up together and compounding that interest, that can eat away at your retirement savings. And we'll come back, we'll talk a little bit more about other issues that are concerning uh, people that are getting ready for retirement and what the survey showed and things that we can do about it to really do a little bit better job of preparing ourselves for retirement, better understanding the things that we need to do. We'll be right back.
This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, and we're talking a little bit about some of the challenges that a survey has shown as far as uh, employees are having preparing for retirement and how many of us are not really ready. And, and, the, and the survey found that about 78% of the population is really does not feel that they are ready for retirement when the time comes. And one of the most significant things that can be done is to really start those habits early and start to do um, this basic things like putting something into retirement, um, even if it's only $50 a paycheck, whatever is affordable, uh, just start doing it. Just start doing something, develop that habit of putting away savings, um, as well as try to get in the habit of of keeping your debt as low as possible. I know in some cases it's, it's just not possible for short periods of time. I think one of the issues is we get used to debt sometimes, and we kind of assume that's the way we have to live. We have to go into debt to live. But if you set up your budget correctly and you work within how much you're earning, you really can, if you try, um, knock that down a little bit. So some of the other issues that are of concern are some of the, the larger ticket items, the more expensive things that we buy are are going up as well. So so budgeting and really kind of understanding how your income plays into this and how you want to manage things like student loans, if you have those, credit card debt, of course, that typically carries a higher interest rate. So you want to make sure you can manage those as well and try to keep those as low as you can. Is the rising cost of things like uh, homes, home purchase prices have been going up recently in most parts of the country. And mortgage rates have edged up a little bit, although they've moderated uh, as well. They are still edging their way up. And part of that is because we have a strong employment situation. And when you have a strong employment situation, the demand for capital will increase and people will start getting a little more serious about purchasing a home. Maybe they're transferring from one part of the country to the other. And when when more people are employed, you have a, a more competition for those homes. So it's it's a slight seller's market at the moment as far as the housing prices go. I've had some clients looking for houses recently just nearby and they're saying that houses that even that they looked at two or three months ago that were that were listed for like 160, 170 were now listed for like 180, 190. The people are actually increasing their the prices in some cases for similar homes because the demand is a little higher than in the past. Well, up here in the Northeast, part of that's been because we've had pretty good weather. So that spring market that we typically have is was we think it was moved a little bit earlier into the into the winter time because people can get out and look at the houses. But nevertheless, we are seeing housing prices going up in a, in a pretty uh, standard price, like 3 4%, things like that, um, just a little bit above what they had been going up. And so if you're, if you're trying to enter the market, you really have to plan for that and, and realize that some of these larger, more expensive things uh, may edge up a little quicker than had been happening uh, a few years ago even. Another cost that uh, affects younger families is um, that child care has become – more expensive. And, and in the survey, they found that it was unaffordable for seven in 10 American families. That's that's a lot. And for those who 
can afford it, they are noticing that the cost of, of child care is going up. And so that's, that's a big concern. And here in, in, in New Jersey, we, we have something that was just passed just recently where the minimum wage is going to be edging its way up to $15 an hour. That impacts an industry such as child care where you, don't, where you typically don't have higher, you know, higher paid employees in there. So most likely that child care number is going to continue to go up in places like New Jersey where the labor cost is going to increase for some of these jobs that will typically might pay a little bit less than that $15. So that, that's something that needs to be thought about. Uh, I know that some people will strategically live near uh, parents if, they're, if they still have their parents around and they're willing or able to take care of um, the children. So sometimes that happens. I know somebody that I, I go to the gym with him where and he literally lives in the same neighborhood as both sets of parents. Uh, his, his parents live in the neighborhood, his wife's parents live in the neighborhood, and they're right there. So they literally can take their, their young daughter to either place, and therefore they really don't have any child care costs, which is great. I mean, not everybody has a, that case. But planning for child care is becoming um, more and more important. I know when our children were younger, that was one of the biggest expenses we have, and that's continuing to go up. And they found out that between um, in the last few years, it's gone up about 11, 12 percent, and, and that, that trend is expected to continue. Another area which I think most of us understand is healthcare costs do continue to go up. And um, so for a family of four, um, insured employer-sponsored they can they can spend over twelve thousand dollars on healthcare premiums and out of pocket expenses as of last year, and that's an increase of just under seven hundred dollars a year from two thousand and seventeen, and that trend is continuing. Uh, we're living longer. We have you know great medical facilities and so forth, but all that costs money. So uh, that's something that we uh, are still struggling with to figure out how to, to cover all the costs and be able to have the best care that we can. The reality is, from a personal finance standpoint. You need to anticipate that those costs are likely to continue to go up a little bit above inflation, and so you need to try to budget and plan out ahead a few years. Uh, in fact, in retirement, that's uh, an issue that people always think about is, okay, what's my health care cost and make sure I've got that covered. Of course, we can plan around that, but that is um, typically a major concern of people preparing for retirement. How do I cover this? But fortunately, there are ways to take care of that. Um, another thing that's important is that when you are preparing for retirement uh, in your working years is to have access to a plan. And full-time employees, about 25% of us don't have access to any type of retirement plan at work. That's 25% of the population, and about two-thirds of small businesses do not offer a retirement plan. So that means that you have to kind of do it on your own, and that's where things like uh, the IRAs become more important. That's where you're setting up your own savings accounts becomes more important. And younger employees are uh, more likely to work, twice as likely to work as their elders for part-time work, and they're much more likely to have contract work, which means that you, you take a contract for six months, you're working for an employer. However, you're going to be paid as a subcontractor, essentially. That means you don't necessarily get access to their uh, retirement plan, and you typically will not because you're not considered part of the company itself. Um, in that case... The, the good news is typically contract work pays a little bit better. The downside is you have to plan for your, for your own retirement. You have to make sure you stay on course and you do this on your own because when you work for a large employer, they kind of package all this and they literally sit you down or they should sit you down, explain all of those benefits. They have a full HR department, hopefully, that can explain all the different things that you can access and take advantage of. And I highly encourage you to make sure you understand 
what your employer does have, especially the larger ones. Some of the player plans are pretty darn good, uh, and people don't always take care take advantage of all the of all the bells and whistles that are in those uh, bigger plans that we have around here, especially around here. And a lot of the millennials, they don't. Um, about half of them have a about half of millennials have a tenure job tenure of less than a year, which can also impact their eligibility to get into the plan and actually start accessing and getting the matches and things like that. So it can affect in other ways as well. They tend to be more mobile. They tend to move around jobs more often. Uh, the good news is that when you get into an employer-sponsored plan like a 401k plan, things that you can do when you transfer, when you have the vested amount, which means the amount that's actually yours, um, you can you can actually roll that into your next plan. You can actually do a direct transfer and move that 401k money from one plan to the other if both plans will accept it. Or if that's not the case, uh, sometimes what you can do is just roll it and independently manage that money yourself in things like an IRA. Um, and then that way you can continue to, to use it and use it um, as a retirement plan and keep it separated and make sure one of the big mistakes people will make is when they, even when it's a small savings in a 401k plan, maybe they only worked there a few years, what they might do is when they transfer to another company, like, oh, I only have like five, 10, 20,000 in this plan. I'll just cash it out. I know the penalties are the 10% plus I'll pay the tax and all these other things. They calculate, oh, well, I still get X dollars. Well, the, the, that, that's fine, but the downside is you've just given up a very large pot of money, which is tax deferred, which is compounding interest in a tax deferred fashion. And that is, that is like gold as far as uh, set, uh, planning for retirement. That's what you want to do. You want to get your money into some kind of vehicle that allows it to grow compounded without paying tax every year. And that can be done through traditional plans, which goes in with the pre-tax money, and you pay the tax, of course, when you start taking the money out when you're retired. Or if you're able to have a Roth at a younger age, for most people, that that's a better option. You do pay the tax up front, um, but they even have things like Roth 401k plans, and you can put in that money after tax, and then it will continue to grow uh, in an after-tax manner. And then when you take it out later on, you don't pay any tax, and many of those, you can actually leave those to your heirs tax-free as well. So it's really important to understand your plans, get, getting started early, and to continue to do that. And we'll recap some of those things that we should be taking care of when we come back from the break in just a few minutes.
This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back and listening to Master Your Finances. I am uh, Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional, and we're talking um, a little bit about uh, a survey that Nationwide had done uh, regarding retirees and things that they wish they'd done maybe a little bit differently and some of the stats out there to help uh, encourage uh, all of us to, to start saving a little younger, manage our debt a little bit better. And um, the results are pretty staggering uh, that a lot of us are really not ready as a society for retirement. And there are things that we can do. And I think one of the real basics is that I've seen when when consulting with clients um, that aren't really, don't seem to be able to quite make way on this whole process is they tend to be a little bit too optimistic about their income relative to things like their mortgage debt, their car loans and things like that. Um, so I highly encourage you like when you go out and you're buying, as an example, a, a big, big ticket item like a home, just buy what you actually need. Um, it, and I know that sounds interesting. That sounds like basic, but if, um, let's say you qualify for a $300,000 home as an example, but you really only need $150,000 home or $175,000 home. If you'd be just as happy in that house, even though it's not quite as fancy, um, you're going to save a significant amount of money over time, and that money can be used to really make your life a little less stressful, a little less um, uh, taxing as far as you'll, you'll pay your mortgage off quicker, you'll be ready, and then if you decide later on uh, when it's comfortable, you can always move up. You can always do that when it's very, very comfortable. I think we tend to uh, be a little too optimistic because the underwriting now on all these loans, especially car loans, are really one of the biggies. Um, you go into a car dealer, and they say, oh, you can buy that car, no problem. And then you end up um, upside down on the car. Maybe you took out one of these really low mileage leases or something to buy a really nice car. If you're if you're tight on the budget, just buy a car. It's a couple of years old. You can still get a nice car. Uh, you can still get a good car. Most cars are pretty darn nice these days. It's hard to buy a bad car if um, if it's got a warranty of some kind on it. Um, so just think about that and really kind of kind of think about that debt over a longer period of time uh, and try to keep it down as low as you can with the idea that you're trying to retire it as quickly as possible. And that's really the goal here is to retire the mortgage debt um, in a comfortable way and retire your card loan debt, your credit card debt, all these other debts, because that then frees up more money for savings. Um, but don't do it at the sacrifice of the savings, because as we pointed out in the earlier example, the sooner you start saving for things like retirement, and that's in a tax-deferred account, so you want to, first of all, take advantage of the tax-deferred accounts as much as you can. And what I mean by that is things like an IRA, a 401k, pension, all these things that may be matched by your employer in some cases, or even if they're not matched, the government is subsidizing because they're allowing it to grow compounded on a tax-deferred basis. That adds up to be a significant amount of return over time. And so you really have to kind of balance all that. And the way to bring it together is saying, well, look, I can't do all of these at the same time. Well, that may be true. It might be because even though somebody qualified you for a car loan of $400 a month, maybe really your, shirt, your car loan should be $225 a month to really fit the budget the way it needs to be. So you have to really kind of think of it that way and put these, some of these other items, which really we think of as necessities, 
Um, they may be necessity as trying to get to work, but they're not necessities as far as which vehicle you have to buy or which house you have to buy. Um, as long as it does the job, you can back off on the amount. And once you do it and you get comfortable in that space, keeping in mind that things like the generations before us lived in much, much smaller houses than we live in now. So anybody's house today is probably considered a mansion compared to what people in the 50s lived in, as an example. Houses were simply smaller. We didn't have big houses back then. Vehicles are less expensive. Um, so it can be done. We've done it in the past. So some of the tips, the overall tips are, one, um, you want to start saving as early as possible. You want to prioritize that your, your, your prioritize investment savings along with loan repayments. As I said, so you want to make sure you try to retire the things like the student loans, significant amount of student loan debt in the country, and it is impacting people. They aren't necessarily getting that job they thought they were going to get. So you really have to uh, work on trying to pay down that debt as soon as you can. Um, there are some jobs out there, government-sponsored jobs and things like that, where you might they might do debt forgiveness for some types of uh, loans. Make sure you're at least aware of those types of employment in case that they, they happen to be in your area of expertise. Um, you want to prior, prioritize um, saving with saving for a home. And what you want to do is, in other words, so when you're saving for retirement, you've got that bucket. You want to make sure you do something there. You also want to make sure you're saving for a home and put money away for that as well. And then, um, and then eventually, in a, you can actually buy a home because there's tax advantages still to buying a home, and you want to do that as well. Another thing that um, a study has shown is there's auto-enrollment for things like retirement plans. This is at work, and auto-enrollment uh, could reduce the amount of non-participation from about 30% to less than 15%. So right now what that means is about 30% of, of us do not participate in the 401k plan at work, which to me is, is frightening because many of those, as I've said, there's a match, right? So if you put a dollar in that plan up to a certain percentage, three, four, five percent typically, the employer will match it. So that's free money. You're getting 100% return on day one for any kind of employer match money. So even if your intent is just to put the minimum in, get the employer match and let that grow, that's free money. Um, and why it's only why 30% of us are not participating, that's a shame. So one of the solutions to that that's been advocated in many of the plans that I, I've set up, we actually try to do an auto enroll. What, what that means is when somebody is eligible for the 401k plan, let's say 90 days after employment, you're now eligible for, for the 401k, the default will be they will automatically start taking out some type of uh, a percentage, typically the amount that's being matched as uh, an automatic. So all of a sudden you're going to see that 30 or 40 or 50 or $60 out of the paycheck. And unless you opt out of it, it's going to happen. And uh, why is that so important? Because again, habits, right? So What's going to happen is it is it, they, obviously we make the the employee is made aware of it when they're employed, uh, right? And then also they're going to get this paycheck three months down the road that it's deducted. This deduction first reaction would be what happened to my money, and then if they can survive on that reduced uh, net paycheck, they're pro they're going to get used to it. As an employee, we're going to get used to that amount, even though it's maybe fifty dollars less than it was before. They're going to see they're going to start. Hopefully, they're going to start to see that benefit. You are going to still have people opt out saying, I'm just too tight on my budget now, I can't do it. But the majority of people actually do. And what the study is really showing, the projection is that about half the people will stay in the plan, at least will stay in the plan, just because we made that the option. And so we want to make sure that we're making it very, very easy for us to opt into the 401k plans 
And a big reason is for that is because we no longer uh, have very many pension plans out there. Most pension plans are being retired. Uh, locally, Bristol-Myers Squibb just finalized, they, they terminated their plan as of um, February 1st, and they're giving rollout options to their employees. So they've decided they no longer want that risk on their ba balance sheet. So they don't want to deal with it. Even though it was fully funded, there was no issues with the plan whatsoever from what we understand. It's just it's not something that they're in the business to manage. Uh, they don't want to have to deal with it. So they're rolling it out. So what, what that means is we as employees have to manage it ourselves. And if we're going to manage it ourselves, we have to make it easier uh, to allow that to happen, right? So we have to kind of train ourselves. And that's one of the things that the auto enroll will do that for. Another thing to do is I mentioned the um, healthcare costs are going to continue to rise. And many employees have access to what's called um, a health savings account or an HSA. And that allows pre-tax monies to go into the qualified uh, to a plan that's qualified for health care expen expenses that the insurance doesn't cover for now and in the future. And the key to that is in the future, right? So people say, well, uh, I'm going to put my money in there, but I don't really need anything for health care, especially younger people. I don't need it, but it works a little bit like um, an IRA plan where it continues. It goes with you. The HSA you can take with you. If you leave the employment, that's your money. You put it in the HSA. You can roll that into – typically you can roll it into another HSA plan or you can just manage it from there and use it for maybe expenses that come down the road. And if you're healthy and young, that's not something you necessarily think about, right? And that's that's all of us. We're like, hey, I'm, I'm healthy. I don't need to put away 1000 or $2,000 a year. And then you realize five or 10 years from now, maybe when things do come up, maybe you have children or something occurs, uh, you can pull some of that money out. And especially when you have things like a high deductible plan where you may have to be paying a little bit more towards your health care, that's where it starts to be nice. And again, this grows tax deferred. So it's, it can be put in an investment account. You can invest for it uh, over a period of time and you can get a return on it. It just has to sit there static. So HSAs are a, a really good option and it's something that you should consider if it's available and definitely use it if you have it. And uh, so that's it. We'll be right back in just a few minutes and we'll talk a little bit more some, about some of the other things going on out there in the world of taxation. It's going to be a very busy season for the IRS and there's some things you should be aware of that they're telling us right now um, to prepare for a busy tax season because a lot of these things that were put into place are going to start happening right now this year and everybody's got to deal with it. We'll be right back.
This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, and I'm your host today. And we are talking a little bit about saving for retirement and how um, this survey that Nationwide had done really showed that the earlier we start and the more adept you are to understanding how it all works, making sure that you manage things like your debt, uh, your general expenses, your housing expense, your childcare expenses, freeing up enough cash flow to put away money for retirement, for saving for a down payment for a home, and to really be realistic about all this and be very very um, conservative in what your projections are because things do happen. The car breaks, you know, somebody gets hurt, things like that. Um, so you got to plan for these unexpected expenses. I think the mistake many younger people make and older people for that matter is that they kind of they get this paycheck, they get a raise and they start to spend it and they don't they don't really realistically allocate the money for things like these other issues that are going to come up, like replacing their car in a few years and things like that. So it becomes very important to sit down and really um, pay attention to all the aspects of it. We're coming up on the tax season right now, so a lot of changes have happened over the uh, you know the law was passed a few years ago, but things are really starting to come into place now. And the IRS is really kind of warning us all now that we're kind of in the throes of the season, so to speak. So even before the um, the shutdown back in December 21st, the IRS had already said they were running a little bit behind. They were struggling with how much work that they were having. And then, of course, we had uh, the shutdown, and many people were furloughed for a period of time. So they're just now catching back up again or trying to catch back up again. So even without the shutdown, they were struggling. So realize that the IRS is kind of behind the eight ball a little bit as far as trying to, to get everybody in place and get all these systems in place because it was a major change to all the forms. And under the new law, the IRS was directed to replace all of the existing individual tax return forms, which includes things like the 1040, the 1040A, the 1040EZ, and now there's just one new 1040 form. So, the, so if you've been doing your taxes for a while, all by yourself, so to speak, it's going to be different this year. And we've talked to accountants about this, and accountants are saying they're even having some challenges here. And some of it is because the new form itself was reduced to the size of a postcard, two and a half pages in length, on which about 47 million taxpayers, or 32%, could meet their annual filing requirements. So the idea was to simplify it. So they reduced the, the 1040 down to a postcard size. However, the redesign now necessitated the creation of additional schedules. So there's six new schedules that contain only three lines of information and about for and then about 70% of those taxpayers were about 102 million are going to see the new new schedules and, and they're going to need to use them whereas before they didn't need to. So they're going to have a, an A, B, C, D, and E and they have to complete those forms. So even though the form the initial the 1040 itself is smaller, the they couldn't literally fit everything on this one form. So about 70% of us are going to have to go 
to these other new schedules that are there. And my understanding from talking to an accountant is it can be a little tricky. It can be tricky in filling it out. So if you have any doubts whatsoever, if this this may not be the year to do your own taxes if you're not really comfortable for this, because uh, as I said, even the professionals are getting really trying to get up to speed and they're trying to get guidance on some of these things as far as what how it has to be filled out and and what the different things mean on the on the new schedules. So very important to kind of keep up with it and uh, try to stay up to date on what is going on as far as it goes. And remember that the IRS itself is a little bit behind. So you know they changed a lot of things. The IRS has been really kind of shut down for the most part for several weeks. So expect some delays. If you're able to work on this as early as you can to try to get it done as soon as you can, um, anticipating that there may, there may be some issues if you need to contact the IRS for any reason, it just might be a little tougher this year than usual. And so other things to watch out for this time of year is a time where the people that want to commit scams come out, right? Because a lot of money is flowing back and forth. And so here's some tips on things to pay attention to when you're uh, filling out your tax um, forms and so forth. So you gotta, you got to be very careful about uh, different types of scams, uh, include like phishing, like they'll have fake websites, things like that. They'll set up things like fake charities. Um, and then there's also preparer fraud. In other words, the person actually preparing the tax return may be committing fraud. So just be aware um, there's a lot of different things that may be going on and you need to be aware of. So one of the things you can do is early, file as early as you can, right? Even though the return is not due until the 15th of April, as soon as you file the return, you kind of put your stake in the ground, it's down there, it's on the return, that would stop somebody else from necessarily trying to follow file a return on your behalf, so to speak, and try to divert maybe a refund to some other place and just be aware. So whether or not there's a payment due or not, it, what it does, it just helps them to prevent another return from being filed. Even if you owe money, you still want to do this because you don't have to actually send the money until April 15th. So even if you file the tax return now, you can wait until April 15th to send the check in if you need to. So file as early as you practically can, and that'll stop another scammer, quote unquote, from coming in and somehow uh, filing a return on your behalf and trying to get money back out. Pay very, very close attention this time of year. You should all year round, but especially this time of year. Things like emails, uh, phone calls, and text messages. These are abundant. They're coming in all the time. Uh, when somebody sends you an email and it's not specific to your name or doesn't specifically have your account number in it, almost automatic, and you're, and you're not familiar with, with who's sending it, if you're not very familiar with it, um, be very, very careful. Look at the email address very, very closely. Sometimes they'll just be off. Uh, by a digit, uh, and it can be very, very um, hard to detect unless you pay very close attention to it. So read the full e email address out. If it's coming from a government agency, which not we don't really typically get very many emails from government agencies, it's going to have like .gov as, 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 as an example, uh, things like that. So you just want to be very careful about that. Phone calls, IRS is not going to call you. They don't do that. They send you a letter in writing. They don't make phone calls. They don't outreach to you. They don't threaten you over the phone. They just simply don't do it. So if anybody is doing that to you, they're not going to send you a text message saying that if you don't deposit money within the next 24 hours, we're going to confiscate your business or your home or your car or anything like that. That's just not the way they work. They send it by mail. They send it to your legal address. And uh, it's something you'd be able to take to your tax preparer and have them review. 
and then you can respond to it in that way. So be very, very careful. You also want to be on the lookout for people trying to impersonate an, age, an agent. So you want to make sure that, um, you know, if, they're, if the IRS badge numbers and things like that, if somebody looks like they have a badge, you want to validate the badge itself, make sure it's correct. Um, the scammers, they might know the last four digits of your social security number. That's fairly easy to get because many things will um, encrypt the beginning of your social security number, but they might leave the last four out, out there just to uh, identify that within a, a range, but it's not the full number. So if they're just giving you the last four, likely they don't really know what, they're not legitimate. Uh, the IRS, of course, has your entire number. Um, they may set up a fake website. And if they do, you can actually, um, if it looks suspicious, you can actually forward that site to phishing at irs.gov and they'll check it out for you. And that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G at irs.gov. And they can find out whether or not that site is actually legitimate or not. Another thing, when you look at a website, make sure it has the HTTPS on it, which means it's a, a secure website. And even better, if it has one of the green bars, which shows the owner of the site, so it'll actually say the name of the company in a green bar, like it'll be ABC Accounting, HTTPS. So that means that the actual owner of the URL has been validated by the uh, provider. So you can be pretty confident that that's actually being used, um, coming from who you think it's coming from. Um, you want to make sure that uh, IRS, sometimes they have, um, they'll spoof the caller ID. If somebody owns their own PBX system or, autom or phone system, they can act, literally enter in whatever they want to as far as the caller ID goes. Most people don't realize that, that if, the, if you actually own the computer system that generates the phone call, you can actually put in whatever you want and send out the alpha, which is that part that you see that might say IRS or something like that on it. Again, IRS is not likely to call you. They just don't unless you're already having some kind of interaction. You'll be well aware of that long before they'd ever make a phone call to you. Typically, you're calling them. Um, they, may call, they may then send you some type of email. So just be aware of that. Um, also, if there's any kind of background noise, most likely that's some kind of call center trying to generate um, income by th literally threatening people. So just be aware that there's a lot going on out there. And if it doesn't, if you're, if you have any doubt whatsoever, then you want to go ahead and um, validate that and just make sure it's correct. You want to verify all of your, your W-2 form requests. Always use a shredder. Um, charities, you want to go to things like Charity Navigator or um, GuideStar.org. And again, just be very vigilant. Pay attention to what you're getting. And if you're, when in doubt, check it out. All right. Again, this is Kurt Baker. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and thank you for listening. You can reach me at 609-716-4700. You can also listen to this podcast or any of them at masteryourfinances.us. Remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.